Awesome. Hey, good morning. Welcome to church. How are you doing? How are you feeling? You ready there? Oh, cool. You guys good? Hey, good morning. And uh, hey, we just started this series, Hot of the House, and uh, uh, we're going to work through the, you know, the, the video next time. But um, we're just so excited to get into the series to sort of uh, think about, reframe, and just zero in on why God uh, called us to be here as a church. And so I want to introduce to you uh, the chairman of our board. Um, if you haven't met him yet, this is Scott Huber. And uh, he, I just wanted him to just representing uh, our leadership. There's a leadership board here that um, helps us just stay the course and keep the, the, the main thing the main thing. And so uh, I just wanted him to share uh, and open up this series kind of um, reflecting and looking at what it is. So can we just thank our leadership board and what they've done over the years and helping us keep the main thing the main thing. Scott. Well, good morning. And it's a privilege to serve in that capacity. It's also a privilege to introduce this next sermon series uh, where we'll spend time looking at the heart of the house, which is the heart of the house, uh, just for clarity's sake. Um, we'll look at what makes us who we are and why we exist like we do. We're in Mannheim to walk beside our community and to help each other initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ. And if that sounds familiar, it should. That is our mission statement. So hopefully you've seen it, you've read it, You've seen it on the screen this morning. We are also called to influence our world for his glory. That mission to initiate and nurture and the calling to influence is fantastic. And those who have stepped foot in and been part of the MBIC house over the past hundred years, well, they've lived it out. They have uh, provided disciples in previous generations. And because of that, we are still here influencing this community. However, with each season and each generation, the leaders have had to adjust and seek to bring the new generation into this mission. And I would dare say that we are certainly in a new season, even a new, crazy, challenging season. Some of the recent changes and things that you all have witnessed and experienced is the completion of our children's wing, a new pastor, and of course, I need not mention a global pandemic. We have suffered some incredible losses, and we have celebrated some amazing wins. You all have weathered these changes amazingly well, and our mission still remains. As we, the church, and as leadership have journeyed uh, through this season of challenge, there has been some need to reimagine what it looks like to be the church and to be Christ in our community, to reexamine our mission and how we accomplish that mission. We've been called here for such a time as this, and we recognize that maybe even more than before, this, in this season, our mission is hard work. To love like Jesus takes time, energy, and emotional strength. One of the ways your leadership board uh, has chosen to love and support our pastors so that they're able to push our mission deep into the community, both in the near future and the far, is to offer sabbaticals to full-time pastors. This has been a multi-year process to develop, refine, and then finally to bring to a vote in December of 2021. We as a board desire to see our pastors thrive in ministry for the long run. Last week, we blessed and sent Pastor Corby on his first sabbatical after over 20 years of service to MBIC. The purpose of a sabbatical, much like the Sabbath, is to rest, refreshment, renewal of spirit, mind, body, and soul. 
the leave is specifically for licensed full-time pastors with five or more years of service to MBIC and is for up to five weeks in length. While it encourages rest, uh, it also carries some responsibility to both improve uh, personal growth and further education as approved by the lead pastor and the leadership board. A summary of which is to be submitted upon their return. The heart of this house is to initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ. And we ask each of our ministry leaders to spearhead their specific ministry and to drive that mission deep into our community. We're blessed to have such a phenomenal staff and we support and celebrate their leadership efforts. Some of you may have spent time creating a family crest or a coat of arms where you determine what it means to be a Jones or a Smith. Well, or I've also seen signs in people's homes where they say, in this house, we will, and then you can fill in the blank. Maybe yours is, we will hug daily or we will laugh often. Well, in this house, in the house of MBIC, we will love like Jesus. We will initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ. And after more than 100 years, MBIC remains an influence in our community and to those around us who are watching. We are here in this community and in this house for such a time as this. Please join me as I pray us into this series. Kind Heavenly Father, we have been so blessed um, by you in the past years um, and the witness that we have been able to take into our community. And this past season has been no different, Father. We acknowledge that it has been a change and it has been a challenge. But amongst that, you have remained the same, unwavering, all-knowing, and all-powerful. You've modeled for us what it means to love in a perfect way, and we desire to love like that, Father. So please go before us this season, and may we seek your direction to continue to influence our community. Father, we are ready to receive what you have for us next. So we ask in your name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Can we thank the leadership board again just for their efforts? And... I want to thank them for their time and, uh, and just, yeah, the investment. So just to give you a um, you know, window into what it was like um, for me and my wife, we were in the community looking, um, really asking the question, God, what do you want from us next? Uh, not thinking that that would be pastoring. Um, and so um, that was a journey we took. And when we said yes, we didn't know that the pandemic was, you know, you know, coming, obviously. Um, but then it was, uh, it, and I also said, hey, I need to complete my commitment. I was, I was working somewhere else. So I, I need three months, I think of what I said. Um, and so you think about all the things that happen. You know when something goes down? in your life, and you think about all the things that, that played into that, and so I go back in my mind, and wow, God, you brought me through that, and we went through this, and then you open up this door, and here we are, and March 12, 2020 was the day that, you know, we worked it out, God said, you know, this is, you know, for, for us, that's how we felt, like, free to do that, and I walked in March 12th, and sat at my desk, and then Dustin, who I didn't really know very well, walked in and said, hey, I think we need to shut down. <laughs> really? Interesting thought. Um, how, how do you do that? You know, like, that's, that's a cool thing to, you know, send out. Um, it, it felt like, for me, I was like, hi, church. 
we're closing. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, yeah. You. And I'm sure words came out. I'll, I'll, I'll just say it. You know, if, if you called me a jerk, I forgive you. All right? If, uh, if you're, you know, I'm just being real. There were some people, okay? I don't, I don't know who you are or if that, it happened. But I imagine, you know, when things happen you didn't like in those seasons, like you, you just move to like, ah, frustration. Anyone? It's okay. Not, not about that, but I mean you're frustrated in that season. But stuff happened. We went through a really interesting, challenging season. And I say thanks to the leadership board because hours was given for prayer discernment, seeking God, seeking wisdom, um, praying for the congregation, thinking through, strategizing, and they really did give up so many hours to that, and I just am and so grateful to run, and this was my sense leaving uh, that season or in the middle of that season. I'm so glad, God, I get to run with godly people that have a heart after you. And I began to, in that season, actually write down a list for myself because I, I was examining the house. I had been on the outside looking in. Being on the inside, I began to write a list and examine for myself what remained when the wind blew and the waves tossed this congregation and these people of God around. What remained true? What stayed in that season? And what I saw stick, what I saw uh, happen uh, was there was a love for God that I continued to encounter and run into. A love for Jesus that was talked about, even though all these things were happening, even though there wasn't a norm for people to run into and be comfortable, and even though there wasn't comforts that church would normally offer in a season, there was still a love for Jesus, a love for God, a love for people that was oozing out. You know, I've talked about this in the past series, that you know, you can really see what um, somebody's made of when you put pressure on, you know, what comes out. And so I began to see and write this list that, that created for me an alignment with, hey, here's the real heart of this house. That they love God, they love people, and they really want to influence their world for his glory. And then, for me, that became the vision and mission and purpose of the house that I really uh, was excited about. It wasn't what was written on the front uh, sign when I drove in. It wasn't what was on the website that got me excited. What got me excited was the heart of the house that was true to what I saw Jesus calling us to. And that's what I would love for us to examine here today because we think about if we're asking what's the heart of this house, what we're saying is what's the heartbeat of his church locally in Mannheim. Because I'm not talking about a building, obviously, right? This place has no heart. Some of you might want to argue with that. But this place is just a place. It's great. It's awesome. But you are the church. We are the church. And so the heart of the house, we make that up. What, what's in us, what God has deposited in us, what he's calling us to is the heart of the house. Navigating through these uncertain times, we have, whether we like it or not, shown our true colors. And so I'm, I'm actually really excited about that because our calling has been uh, shaken together. 
And I would say, uh, from, you know, shaking together, running over is this love for God and love for people. And, uh, yeah, I get excited to talk about this Heart of This House series because we get to uh, do first this, examine our own hearts. Examine our own hearts. Really, it's a, a thing that David kind of portrayed, I think, very well, and that he went to God and said, hey, God, search me and know me. If there's anything unclean, he postured himself and said, remove that from me because I want to see you. I want to be known by you. And this picture that he gives is this intimacy that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't really want to talk about maybe in church so much, but that intimacy is the picture of intimacy that you would, you would get on a wedding night. Where you come together, a couple comes together, and really what God's design is that for the first time that you enter into a covenant relationship where there's an intimacy that isn't like anything else, where you see me for real and I see you, this is, this is who we are. And David's cry is that I, I want intimacy with you, God. Obviously, as a frail person, that's, that's a hard, that's a tall order, right? That's a tall order because you are un, unholy and, and he, is, he is holy. And so entering into that intimacy was a hard, tall order. But we know through Christ and his sacrifice, there's an invitation to an intimacy with God that we can have. And so we can rightly pray like David uh, did, and we can rightly uh, have a heart like this that says, hey, God, search me and know me. We can come before him and say, I want to be known by you. I want to know you. This, I believe, should be the, at the core of who we are, that the heart of the house is that we love God. We want to spend time with him. We want to have intimacy with God and spend time with him. One of my favorite studies has been uh, David through growing up. And one of the things that I encountered in growing up as uh, a fatherless child was that uh, I was really looking for what it meant to be a man. And what, what was that like? To, to, what was the call to be a man? What did that really mean? And I found great um, comfort in reading David's stories and David's life and his posture, the Psalms that he wrote, because I resonated with them, the desire to want to know God as a father and experience who he was and, and, and adopt those things that God was presenting as right and true and noble and to me, uh, being a man. And so I leaned into those and I leaned into those moments. I said, you know, if I want to be uh, the way God wants me to be, I'm going to look at David. I'm going to follow his design or the model that he has of spending time with God in communion with God. And I'm going to pick up what it means to be a man. I'm so glad my mom drilled that into me, that that's how you will find out what it means to be a man. Obviously, she did as a single mom an amazing job, showed me what it was to really uh, be a man and the things that she could do and stepping up and, and being faithful and, and all the things that she laid out for me, amazing, seeking after his heart. But only God could come through the way that God can come through for me in the same way that only God can come through for you the way that he can come through. And he wants to. The heart of this house is that I, I desire for us to 
really look at that invitation for intimacy from God and take that seriously. Over the last few years, you know, I've been looking back and seeing that this has been the heart of the house through and through over generation and generation. I look back at some of the words that were spoken by Brian. Brian and I have spoken about church and what was happening and what was done. And I've spoken and looked at uh, the things that Greg had written and said and Pastor Greg. And then uh, Roy Peterman um, just had some amazing thoughts. And, and so looking back at his messages and he wrote a book, and in that, uh, I picked out this one phrase or this one passage that he wrote. He was talking to the bishop, and he shared this in his heart. He said, you know, there were 84 babies dedicated, 143 people baptized, and 276 new members received during my pastorate here, 80s and 90s. And I look at that, and I go, wow, like his measurements of like, hey, here's what I'm doing in church really was this, hey, we're calling the community to this, a relationship with God. What mattered? How many people were baptized? People that were saying, yes, identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. These are the things that he said, man, people are saying yes to being a part of the mission here by saying we're going to be members. Those are the things that that he was recording. And then he records how he, he said, you know, when we got really serious about the mission, when we, we were starting to really pick up momentum with this mission, we started a small group. In that small group, we brought some people around us that were really seeking and searching. We sat with them and we did one-on-one discipleship with them and it shifted the momentum of the church. And people started really getting passionate for Jesus. And so, as I look back and then look ahead, I have to ask this question to myself, and we should be asking ourselves this, how will we achieve this and these kind of results in our season? I'm convinced of this, that life is choices, choices depend on beliefs, so it matters what you believe. You're going to make these choices, you know, it's a, a thing we use with the boys when they're making certain choices in life. My nana reminded me uh, of this often. She's saying, Bryce, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. My mom, she picked it up. That was not so fun to hear. You know, my, my friends would leave from hanging out. We'd be doing, you know, boy stuff, guy stuff. And she'd be like, Bryce, I know, I know, mom. Because I knew what she was going to say. She'd say, hey, your friends. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It matters who you hang out with. It matters who you surround yourself with. And and so uh, from early on, I sit out with this mission. Personally, I knew I couldn't do it alone, that I would get off track real quick with loving God and loving people well. I needed other people around. I was encouraged when other people would do it with me, and, and, and I could be encouraged. And, you know, the pandemic season for me, or however you want to label it, those two years of leading as well, for me, what made it uh, just what it was, which for me was an incredible time of seeing Jesus move in people's lives, seeing God move and care for people like I haven't seen in a long time. For me, that season uh, meant that We put God first, and I knew that my life was being changed and renewed because I was seeking God first, and I was seeing other people choose God when it was the hard thing to do. That's because 
they were running with others. Those people that, that stuck through doing hard things really well, they did it because they were in community with other believers who were looking to love God and love people in the midst of that season. And so, as we examine our hearts today in the heart of this house, maybe you want to ask yourself, who am I running with? Who am I surrounding myself with that's running towards God for intimacy with Him? I've said and described, you know, the process of changing and being changed by God and, and we would label that discipleship. Well, I say it's changed lives that change lives. It's changed lives that change lives. And so what I experienced when I saw the heart of this house come out, what I saw was people that spent time with God and intimacy with God, that experienced the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the strength of God, the vision of God, the purpose of God in their life. When they experienced it and they encountered it, they were able to live it out for others. Right? And I, I know for, for some people, like, like this will make sense uh, because this is what I've seen in our community is when the Eagles win a game, right, and you get around those Eagles fans, that can be annoying. Um, they're, they're so excited, you know, and the, even more annoying is when the Steelers fans get around you, they win a game, and they're talking about it like this is all, you know, they're so excited, so pumped. I'm like, I don't even understand this game, Right? And they're so excited about it. And then I got around a Cowboys fan. I thought it was bad, and then I heard them talk about it. I'm like, all right, it can't get more annoying than this. And then I met a Patriots fan. I'm like, come on, you people. Like, talk about shaking together. I mean, you're going through hard times, but still you're oozing out this passion and love for this thing. And I'm like, What? Do you know what, if, if, you're, if you're moved to passion to love for something, it's probably because you encountered something real. At some point along your journey, you probably had a moment that made you invest in that thing, that tr truly moved you. Maybe it was you know, a father-son relationship, a father-daughter relationship, or, or something along the way where you guys were all around this thing, and, and it was a passion for the family. It was a, somebody, investor, involved in it, and it moved you. It was, became part of your life, and so there's lots of memories attached to it. Therefore, it became a belief that there is something really good about this, and so that belief you know, led to a passion and passionate choices because life is choices. Choice depend on belief. So when I see you get enraged and passionate about, you know, the football, what I'm knowing is there's more going on inside your heart than just seeing some people play football. And the same is true in faith. When we see people get enraged and passionate about God, there's something more, there's something deeper that's going on in their heart, Right? They're getting switched on. There's something happening deep inside them. Beliefs are changing. Beliefs have changed. Some encounter with God has resonated at a deep level, right, where it's just shook. It's a real encounter, and so they can't let it go. And they become annoying Christians. We all need annoying Christians in our lives. Oh, man. 
That went over some of you. Like, Bryce, Christians aren't annoying. Okay. But like, if their heart is after God, and when you're talking to them, and you're wanting to have a moment where you can just be, and just talk, and just like wallow in your pain, and you start talking about it, and they're like, but God. And you're like, come on! I just want to feel. And, and they're like, yeah, but God. Anybody? We need annoying Christians that are steady in their faith, firm in their love for God, passionate, so passionate, and things get shaken up. They're spilling over with joy and love and peace and patience when we need them, right? It doesn't mean you don't cry with people when they're crying. You know, you know like it, we do that. But we also need people that are just bubbling over with their faith and their passion for Jesus. And so as we examine our hearts, I wanted to ask ourselves, I think we need to ask ourselves, like what is bubbling up in us? Are we at times the annoying Christian? I hope so. Where does that come from? It comes from a personal encounter with Jesus that you've had. Something, a real encounter with God that shifted and changed your life. What is, that's probably an intimate moment with Jesus like David had. Search me and know my heart, God. In the midst of trial, in the midst of something really hard, instead of running, we run into God and we say, God, search me and know me. Help me, Jesus. to set a course so that we can be a people that run like this, that have hearts like this. I want us to go to these uh, moments where Jesus seemingly raised up several things and made them like, hey, this is how you keep the main thing the main thing. I want to go to Matthew 22. I want us to open together as a church. These passages and contemplate where our hearts are at and if they're aligned with this. Matthew 22, 37, these are verses we know, we're very familiar with, you probably heard them, even if you haven't been going to church your whole life or, or any along at all, you probably heard these passages, you're turning to Matthew, go to the middle of your Bible, keep going, all right, almost two-thirds of the way through the Bible, you're going to find a book, Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, this is the conversation Jesus is having, the Pharisees have, uh, the, the legal people uh, in that day have have said some things to Jesus, cornered him, and, uh, and now they're, they're feeling the pressure, and so they want to put the pressure back on Jesus, right? They want to stump him. They want to make him look uh, maybe less than perfect in front of the crowd, and so they stump him or try to with the, the question of what is the most important command? Matthew 22, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And many people would say, many theologians would say, like that means you can't separate the two. They are one and the same. That loving God is to also love his people. When you read 1 John and the, you know, his uh, beloved disciple, you'll hear much of that same sentiment. If you love God, you love people. If you listen to Jesus' sermon on the mount, the greatest sermon, you'll hear this same sentiment that loving God is loving people. And so this is what makes up the great commandments. 
The verses that follow that say you can hang everything on these two, the law and the prophets, hang on this thing. Meaning everything else really can fall under these two things. Another verse, Matthew 28, 18, a very familiar verse. You're going to just flip over a couple of pages. You're going to see Jesus summarize uh, much of this uh, time here and he's going to set up his disciples to say, hey, here, keep the main thing, the main thing by doing this. Matthew 28, 18, he said, and Jesus came and said to them, here on the side of the hill, he's about to ascend into heaven. He said this, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as a preacher, teacher, like it's hard for me to just breeze over these. I know this is a little different as I talk about the heart of the house this week. I'm just setting up this series. I'm not going to unpack these verses and, and really uh, exegete them out, but I just want to breeze over them because what I want to talk about, what I want to ask us about is how are we keeping the main thing, the main thing. If the heart of the house is the heart of the house, to love God, love people, initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ, we have to ask ourselves, like, are we there and Jesus left these two things, the command and the commission, for us to go and carry this forward. This commission was to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them all that I have taught you. Well, what did Jesus raise to the top? These commands. But he said all. So there's, there's a tall order. And what this means is anyone following Jesus already has these two things. If you have a follower of Jesus, you are here at this church, you say, what's our mission? What's our vision? What's our purpose? Well, you already have a mission. Jesus said it. It's, it's right here. He's given you a mission. He's commissioned you for his service, for his service to go and make disciples. So I should, I should be able to ask you at any time, hey, who are you discipling? He's commanded you to love. I'm saying, I should be able to come and ask you, hey man, who's hard to love right now? Right? Because you're loving, like what, what's hard? Because I want to learn from you in community with you. What's hard? We've been commissioned to go into the, all the world and make disciples. How did Jesus do this? He loved the one. You think about how Jesus did this because that's really what this comes down to now. If we're examining our hearts, we hear this mission, we hear this command to love. Some churches, uh, you know, when they ask the how, they'll do it in their frame. They've, they've said, okay, we're going to raise the commission because we really think the commission goes first, like to go and make disciples. So everything else is to come around that. And the commission means that, that we're going to move every obstacle we can and make it as easy as we can for people to just walk in off the streets and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to remove all the obstacles because it's all about the commission. We're all about going. We're all about sending out. That's how, that's how it can be translated. Other people will say, okay, actually, what we need to do is raise up the command and the commission, all that will just happen as we go with the command to love God. And so we're gonna spend time in his presence, we're gonna, we're gonna dwell on his presence, we're gonna study the word of God and all of the other things will flow out of that and, and we, we hope. But as a church, what we have said and over the years, this is the sentiment of of the whole leadership that I looked at was this, that, hey, the, the mission has the church. 
meaning this, that Jesus like commissioned us to go and the church is the vehicle. And when it's in alignment with the commandments of loving God and loving people, that means the people, right, his mission has got you. Like your heart's just got. So you can't shake it. You can't leave it. You're just like, I'm on mission to love people because love of God is so flowing in and through me. I got to go. When you're saying, man, I got to go, I got to love, I got to like, where, where can I express this love that God so filled me with? I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And I say, Bryce, that's just the evangelist. Well, if that's just the evangelist, please go back and read the commission again. That's for all disciples and followers of Jesus to be so full of his love that we're ready to go and teach all that he has commanded us. The mission has the church some churches will go with the commission first or the command first. And as a church, what we're saying is it's really about keeping those things uh, front and center and walking with them both. That they work hand in hand together. And that we'll miss something if we put one before the other. However, there is an order for them. Meaning they do happen in a sequential order. If I go out on mission today and I invite people <laughs> you have to ask what are you inviting them to if you don't have a personal love and intimate relationship with God first so it starts right here right here do you love God why Right? Do you love your heavenly Father? Do you have a love for Him, a passion to know Him more? John has this um, amazing testimony. If you think about it, John, the disciple of Jesus has this amazing testimony, really. You know, he's living his life, just doing life. And then Jesus comes along and he invites him. He says, come follow me. And then, then they begin to walk through life. And John's right there. And, and John being who John is, he begins to lean in. If you walk through, I love inviting people to read through John because they get to encounter a person who leaned into relationship with the Messiah in a different way than most. And, and when you see John, he's often right beside Jesus. And, and I think if I was walking with Jesus, I'd like to think that I'd be right up beside him. Maybe I wouldn't, but, but I would love that opportunity uh, because here John gets all these insights and all these things that Jesus is doing. And he writes this command in John 13. He picks up uh, what Jesus is saying. He writes it in John 13, 34. And he says it like this. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. All right? So he's, he's sharing the command, right? But then he follows it with what he's going to share with them later, the commission. And what does he say? By this. Everybody say, by this. 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And so I'm going to go back to when we were shaken and when many people in our world have been shaken, tossed to and fro through a pandemic, through all the stuff that happened. What was going on? What was coming out of you? How, how much love did you have for one another? If you look at your life, if somebody was walking really close with you, right? how much would they just love Jesus because they walk closely with you? Imagine a fly on the wall of your life was with you in the car, with you in your bedroom, with you, in your, next to your, on your sitting next to you on the table there. You know, flies, I'm picking flies because they're just, you know, we're in Lancaster County, they're everywhere. And so they're in, the, in your car, you know, they're flying around. If a fly could testify of your life towards Jesus and say, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus because I went through that storm with you through that season. I lasted 2020 the whole summer as a fly and now I, I know I just need to follow Jesus. Any, are there any flies that are with Jesus right now because they were with you in 2020? No? Think of what Jesus walked through while he was in his three years of ministry. How many trials, pressures, moments that John was able to sit beside and lean into and hear what oozed out and watch what oozed out. And he says to his disciples and those that are close to him, by this, by what? that you love one another. As a heart of this house, we have to get this. Love one another. Love, and we could unpack what that means, but for many of us, it means doing hard things. John knew this. John watched a lot happen. Towards the end of his life, we get some great letters, and he wrote this in 1 John 3, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our life down for others. And when we think of love, there's no greater love than this, right? So what is love? What does it look like for you to be enacting and walking out what is spilling over your love for God? What is it that, that people say, hey, this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. This is what it means to be a part of MBIC. What does it mean? That you would lay down your life. Wow. That's hard. What does that mean for you in this season now? I remember my mom calling me out kind of in this way. And I had been through, been through this season of, of getting to know like what it meant to be a disciple of Christ. I'd been baptized as a teenager. I was uh, leading in our youth group a little bit of uh, worship and different things. And I was really getting into studying David and um, investing time. And mom, my mom was closest to it. She watched me, I think, develop a relationship with God. And my Bible, um, you know, was sometimes on the floor. 
And she would see that and call me out on it. Sometimes it was on my nightstand. Sometimes it wouldn't come out, you know, and she would say to me, hey, Bryce, where's your your Bible? I needed that. Thank you, Mom. But there was one time my friend was coming over. I lived in a caravan, which is, I don't know if you have them here, but it's like, you know, sleeps two people. And it became my bedroom for a season. I was a teenager, wanted independence, all that. Praise God for teenagers, right? So I was living in this caravan uh, next to the house. And one of my friends was over for the weekend. And she's like, you know, don't give up on your, on your God time while your friend's over. You know, don't... don't don't, don't lay it down. Don't, don't put it to risk. Just, you know, be you. And she was encouraging me, and I heard it, but I didn't really hear it, right? I, as, just being real, as, a, as a, a teenager and as a dude still right now, uh, I have a hard time listening sometimes to those important words. But I remember this because my mom put it on my bedside table and in, our, in the caravan, so it was I couldn't not see it when I walked in. I was like, thanks so much, Mom. And my friend, you know, going to sleep, he's in his bed, and, and uh, we're going to, you know, get up the next morning. It's going to be Saturday. We're probably going to go to the beach, you know, lived at the beach, and go play some basketball, do some surfing, have fun. And, and we were, so we're talking about that, and he started asking me questions about the Bible that's right in front of him. I'm like, thanks, Mom. He started asking me more and more questions. I'm just annoyed at this point. Like, really? But I recognized that he was really searching. And I knew that he'd gone through a lot. And he knew that I had gone through a lot as a young person. So I just shared what I knew, what I experienced with God. And I, what I knew comforted me. I shared that with him. And it was about God. It was about the love that God had shared with me because I needed more in life than just what I could see. There was, there was definitely a God. And if, if there is a God, I want to know him. And when I sought after him, I experienced this tangible love of Jesus that completely wrecked and flipped my life upside down. And as I shared that with my teenage friend, you know, I was shaking in my boots. You know, I don't know what I was doing. I was just sharing my testimony. And I asked you last week, you know, what is your testimony? Are you ready to share it? And in that moment, I'll tell you, I wasn't ready, but I just shared my experience with God. And a few weeks later, that friend gave his life to Christ at youth group. I remember that encounter and experience because it challenged me to be ready in and out of season. It also challenged me to, to know like my mess is okay. Like I can minister out of mess. I don't have to be perfect and all put together. And I went to church. I remember the experience of going to church with my friend then. He, he would come to church. He said, you know, I don't feel like I really fit. Everybody's put together and perfect. And I said, that, that's okay. But I think it planted a seed in me also in that season to know that, you know what? It's good. It's good for us to be ready and walking with people who are messy. And their life is in that way outward. Just say, hey, it's a mess and it's hard. Because you and I, if we have a relationship with Jesus, we have the perfect answer. We can invite them into a relationship with with the one who knows them and their mess better than anyone. And if I have encountered his love intimately 
that's what's going to be boiling inside of me to share. And so church, I ask you this very important question as we examine the heart of our house. Are you personally, right now in this season, being renewed by God and having intimate time with your heavenly Father? Are you captivated by the love of God? Is it consuming? His love is the most powerful, incredible thing that you will ever encounter. So are you running to Him regularly? Because that can't be the heart of this house unless it's the heart of the people who are coming before the Father saying, search me and know me, God. I want to know you more. I want to experience your presence more. I need you more. My mess doesn't matter, God. I know it because you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Your grace is sufficient. Your love is bigger. So come, be with me. And here's the invitation that I make for us as a church. Will you do some time today? Will you go there? Start now because to me, I have this big what if going on in my head. The what if we would take this seriously and in 2022, we would see more people coming to know Jesus than we've seen ever in our lifetime. That there's a revival that begins in our hearts that spreads across our community. That on Tuesday nights here at Celebrate Recovery, there's more people here with their mess than there is on Sunday morning coming looking pretty. Because people are just running for the renewal of God, for God to enter into their mess, for God to enter in with His love and help them through their journey. That's what we want. We want to see people changed by God. And it's changed lives that change lives. So will you take some time this morning and say, yes, God, I want to be renewed. I want to know you. I want to enter in with you. I need you. If that's you, would you just join me this morning? Just stand where you are, we're about to worship and we're gonna invite this moment of surrender. Invite standing, you're just, you're just saying yes. Like I wanna, I'm on mission. I recognize I'm a part of the heart of this house and, and so I want my heart to be soft towards you, God, and I wanna be renewed regularly. It's not about just meeting together. It's not just about singing songs together. It's about a people, the people, children of God, coming before him in worship. Worship. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love, for your goodness. Come and have your way in this place right now. Come and have your way in us right now. Forgive us, Lord God, if we've gone on our own, doing th- our own things our own way, God. Lord. But today we come to you in worship. Today we come before you and say yes. Have your way. 
Search us. Know us.